So this, is, of course, is the account of our birth in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can find the same account. And with some more details with the wise men. If you're looking for the wise men in this story, they're found there in Matthew. Uh, Mark doesn't record the birth of Jesus Christ. And John records it and it goes all the way back to the beginning when he was with God. It's because he is God, John 1.1. But here, in my, if, you want to, if you want to read the story of the birth of Jesus Christ, the Christmas story, you want to read the first of Matthew, you want to read the first of Luke, and you'll find those stories. And you've got to have both accounts to get the full picture of what's going on. But look at Matt, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Things haven't changed much, have they? Verse 2, and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Let me point something out to you. God had prophesied that the Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem. Joseph wasn't in Bethlehem. He was in Nazareth. And that's where Christ is going to be known from coming from. He's Jesus of Nazarene. The reason why this whole taxing took place is for God's word to be accomplished. God, look at, look at this. God moved the whole world just to get his word accomplished, just so his word would come true, just to fulfill his prophecies. So Joseph would go down and they, that Jesus would be born there in Bethlehem. That's why he did this stuff. Verse 5, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, uh, when you first read this story, and it's real easy to kind of kick it because I mean, what I mean by kicking it around is we know the world makes no room for Jesus Christ. And it starts out the very, his very first birth, before he's even born, they're not making room for Jesus Christ. There's no room for Jesus Christ in the schools. There's no room for Jesus Christ at the workplace. There's no room for Jesus Christ in the government. There's just no room at the dinner table for Jesus Christ. For some people, they don't even pray and bless their food before they eat it. There's no room for Jesus Christ in the world. And when you first read this story, and I admit that when I first have studied this out, I'd always think, man, that's so sad. That Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and Mary and Joseph didn't have any place to go. They had to put them off in a manger. And it was so sad for them. And I, you kind of start feeling kind of sad for Jesus Christ. But let me point out something to you. We shouldn't be feeling sad for Jesus Christ. We should be feeling sad for the innkeeper. We should be feeling sad for the people in the end. Because they missed a real blessing in Jesus Christ. And what I want to do this morning is I, I don't want to focus on the negative because I know I can really do that real easy. I don't want to focus on all the negatives. What I want to focus on is the people in the Bible this morning. I want to focus on the people in the Bible that did make room for Jesus Christ. Because we know, no, no doubt, there's no room for Jesus Christ in the world. As, as I work in the world and I'm, I'm all over the city of Brownwood, I've noticed over the years, I've been working for the city almost 20 years, I've noticed that there's less and less nativity scenes. And uh, baby Jesus has been replaced by baby Yoda. Everywhere I go, it's baby Yoda. Blow up baby Yodas. Or it's a, some dragon holding the present. Or it's a, it's a, it's a unicorn with, with a rainbow unicorn. I don't, know what, I don't even know who these characters are or who this is. I'm going to have to get with some of these kids like, who, are the, who is this big blow up? <laughs> I have no idea. But, but my point is this. Where's Jesus? I thought this was about Jesus. I thought he was the reason for the season. This is why we sing these hymns, guys. 
Joy to the world. We sang that before we got up here. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. See that? And heaven and nature sing. Dear Heavenly Father, so I'll come to you humbly, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus Christ, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that as we, we come to this season, Lord, that we celebrate the birth of your son, Lord, that we wouldn't take it lightly, Lord, that you came down and dwelt among us in the flesh, that you're Emmanuel, God with us, and that you're willing to come down in the flesh, Lord God, be born of a virgin, Lord, so you could die on the cross with that sinless blood that we might have a price for our salvation, Lord, that our sin, Lord, that's in us, Lord, that you could pay for it on that cross, Lord, with that precious blood. And I thank you for it, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would hide me behind the cross this morning, Lord God, as we, as we scour through your word, Lord God, looking at the people that make room for them, Lord. And I pray, Father, a blessing this morning on these people this morning, Lord, that it's obvious, Lord, they made room for Jesus Christ in their, in their life and to come in here this morning, Lord. They could have been anywhere else, but they chose to come in here and hear about you. Thank you for that, Lord. And I pray, Father, if somebody needs to make a decision this morning, when we give the invitation, they'll come on down the aisle. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. So they made, a, they, made a, they made room, they made no room for Jesus Christ at the end. And really, that, that's, that's sad. That's really sad. Because you know who made room for Jesus Christ? All the animals. All the animals in the manger, they made room for Jesus Christ, the lambs and the donkeys. Here, I'm here to tell you this morning, there's some donkeys like me. We're still making room for Jesus Christ in our daily lives. Amen? There's still some jacks in here that are making room for Jesus Christ. Look at verse 8. And there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were sore afraid. What I love about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what I love about the Lord God Almighty is He chose to go to the working man working the night shift. He could have went to the kings. He could have went to the governors. He could have went to the professors. He could have went to the rich. He could have went to the mansions. But he says, I'm going to go to that poor old man working the night shift, working at night. I'm going to go to him and I'm going to tell him about my birth of my son, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's our God. He cares about us. Just a poor old working man. And they see these angels show up and they get afraid. Verse 10, and the angels said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring the good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, not just some, all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Praise God. That's the Savior. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we come and sing songs about Jesus Christ. And this shall be a sign unto you. Verse 12, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What a scene. You have an angel appear to you at night. You know the angel must have been glowing and you're seeing the angel and say, Hey, I got a sign. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, there's a sign. There's a babe that's going to... It's, there's a Savior born. It's going to be a baby in a manger and he's going to be wrapped up. And about that time, the whole heaven just opens up at nighttime and all the angels are singing, glorifying God. This is an event the world has never seen and it's never going to see again. It's God being born in the flesh. And suddenly there was an angel, was with the angels, multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Verse 15, it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Hey, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which 
the Lord had made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. The shepherds made room in their busy schedule for Jesus Christ. Now I pointed out to you, these are working men. And if you know anything about working men, they're working, amen? They got things to do. There's a man in here in this church right now, this morning, came to me and said, hey, I, was, I had to go put my cows up. I barely made it in here. They got, well, hey, y'all all got things to do. There's things that happen in life. And the shepherds made, in their busy schedule, they made room for Jesus Christ. Said, so let's go see him. And it says they went and made haste. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, hey, make haste and get to know him. As quick as you can. Don't wait another day. You know, no, nobody's promised tomorrow. Amen. Nobody's promised tomorrow. And when they had seen it, they, verse 17, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. But look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. If you'll make room for Jesus Christ in your busy schedule, you're going to glorify God and you're going to get some great joy. Verse, what, what was it, what they said, what the angels say, there's great joy which should be to all people. My wife pointed this out to me, it was in Walmart, and you can look around, and you see this all over, but people, they're wearing these shirts and these buttons say joy, and then it says, and then it says dash full, like full of joy, joy full. Like when I go into Walmart, I'm not full of joy. I'm not joyful when I go into Walmart. I just want to get in, get out, let's get out of here, let's try not to kill somebody, try not to get killed or whatever. But the point is, the world thinks you can be joyful without Jesus Christ, it doesn't work. You might think you've got joy. You don't understand what real joy is until you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You'll never understand it. You'll never understand it. Let's turn to Luke chapter 19. Let me show you somebody else who made room for Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Verse 35. Luke chapter 19, verse 35. So at the end of Jesus Christ's three-and-a-half-year ministry... At the end of that ministry, he's about to come in and present himself, just like it was prophesied, as a king to Israel. This is the week before he was crucified. He comes in, he's going to come into Jerusalem as their king, riding on a donkey, riding on a colt. He's going to come in, he's going to come in lowly. He's not going to come in riding on a white horse with a sword. He's going to come in lowly. That's how he was prophesied to come in as their king. Of course, we know they're going to reject their king, Jesus Christ, and they're going to crucify him, the Jews will. But this is what we're reading about. So verse 35, and they brought him to Jesus. Talking about this donkey, they brought him to Jesus, they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. You know, I got to thinking about that, and the only time I've ever seen that happen is like in cartoons or in movies where some guy's trying to court a woman, and he's trying to court a woman, and there's like a, a mud puddle there, and he'll, be, he'll run over there, and he'll take his jacket off, and he'll lay it over that mud puddle so she can walk across the mud puddle. And not get, you, you've seen the cartoons, you've seen the movies like that? But now that us men are married, we would do that for our wives. A lot of us in here would do that for our wives. Amen? Yeah. Well, yeah. But then when we took that dirty jacket up out of the bed, say, hey, baby, go ahead and wash that for me, will you? Yeah. That's how we work. That's how men work right there. So, yeah, just like Brother George used to say, you know, love is blind, but marriage is an eye opener. That's what he'd say. And they spray, amen. I got a good amen out of that. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. 
And, verse 37, he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Jesus, for three and a half years, had been casting out the devils, just like they were talking about in Sunday school. He'd been healing the lepers, healing the blind, making the, the dumb to speak. He'd been doing all kinds of incredible miracles, and the disciples had seen this stuff. And now he's coming in as a king, and it just kind of came on them. They're like, man, this guy, he's the king. And they start praising God, and they're starting to throw their clothes down. And in Matthew, it describes them. They have these leaves, and they're, just, they're praising God. Hi, Hosanna. Glory to God. Here comes our king. And verse, 70, verse 38 saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. These disciples had made room for Jesus Christ in their heart. See, before they were screaming and hollering and yelling and having a good time in the Lord, and there in verse 38 saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. Before they could sing that, before they could shout that, before they could glorify God, he's got to be in your heart. They had made room for Jesus Christ in their heart. And the reason why we don't have more people in the church this morning, the reason why the, 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 the world doesn't want to sing about Jesus Christ, they don't want to glorify Jesus Christ, they want to take Christ out of Christmas, the reason why they're like that is because they don't have Jesus Christ in their heart. Even some Christians, maybe they're not even Christians, they have a head knowledge of Jesus Christ, but they don't have a heart knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why when you get to Revelation, and you, everything you read about in Revelation about Jesus Christ, you, what you're going to read is this. And they shouted, and they shouted, and they shouted. <laughs> There's some people shouting up in heaven. And if you go to a church service and you hear people saying, Amen, glory to God, praise God, and you hear people singing loud, if that makes you uncomfortable, you're going to be really uncomfortable up in heaven. <laughs> it's going to get even worse. When faith becomes sight. And we have our loved ones there with us. Some of our loved ones in Christ that have gone before us and we're there with them and we can glory to God, put our arm around them and there's Jesus Christ and we're here because of Him and we're going to be shouting and screaming. See, the Pharisees, they didn't like this. And they came down and they told Jesus, tell them to shut up. Look, read it with me. Verse 39, And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto Him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. What did Jesus say, verse 40? He answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Nature makes room for Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you know what? If I was to tell all these people to shut up and they would just shut up, the, crow, the very stones would say, glory to God, Jesus Christ in the highest. <laughs> the stones, the rocks themselves would cry out. Do you know if the world could get rid of all the Christians, and they want to, they want to kill us, they want to run us off, they want us to shut up, if they could throw us all in prison and throw us down into the deepest parts of the dungeons, and they would go down and they would sit back down on their couch and they would turn on their TV and they're like, we finally got rid of those sorry, no good Christians, we don't have to hear about Jesus Christ anymore, and they turn on their TV, they'd be like, what's that noise outside, what's that... They would go out their front door and the very rocks, the very grass would be screaming, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus, glory to the highest. <laughs> the Bible describes when Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, comes back, the second coming of Jesus Christ, it says the trees will start clapping their hands. 
And the mountains will start singing. Oh, this whole creation you see outside, it's going to wake up for Jesus Christ. And they're going to make room for Him. They had made Jesus Christ, they had made room for Jesus Christ in the heart way before they had started singing this and shouting this. Why does a man not make room for Jesus in their heart? That's a good question. What makes a man not make room for Jesus Christ in his heart? Well, I think I have three answers to that. First answer to that is that he makes, he's already got room, he's already full of himself in his heart. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, in the last days men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's 2 Timothy 3 too. The reason why men don't want to make room for Jesus Christ in the hearts is because they're full of themselves. The heart's full of themselves. The second reason is that people don't make room for Jesus Christ in the heart is because Jesus Christ doesn't want just a little room in the back of your heart. He wants the whole house. He wants the whole heart. And what men think they can do, men think they can say, okay, uh, Jesus, I want to accept you as my Lord. Come on in. And they want to make Jesus Christ not the Lord of their life, they want to make Jesus Christ the servant of their life. In other words, they want Jesus Christ to be in his little servant quarters in the back of the room in the house. And when they need him, they go and say, Hey, Jesus, I need you. Come back here. I'm having some trouble. Health problems. Got some financial problems. Got some family problems. Come on in here. Fix all this up for me. And then when Jesus Christ gets through fixing all, all up for you, you want to say, Okay, Jesus, uh, go back to your little room in the back of my heart. Jesus don't work that way. Jesus wants the whole house. He wants your whole heart. Guys, you've got to understand, our Lord and Savior is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Do you think you can take a full-grown, roaring lion and put him in the corner of the house, put him in a little closet, and think he's going to stay there and not whimper? you think you can put Jesus Christ in that little part of your heart and then come over here and you're like, Man, I'm just so uncomfortable. I feel so uncomfortable. Because you keep hearing that line go, Roar! Roar! You can't even enjoy TV. You can't enjoy anything in your house. You can't sit at your table and eat because there's this, this feeling in your heart like something's not right. Something's quite not right. Because that lion that you've got stored in the back room of your house is roaring in your heart. Let me out! Jesus will not be your servant. Jesus will be your king. Oh, he will be nothing to you. Now take that, roll that up, and smoke it. Jesus Christ will be your King and Lord of your life, or He will be nothing in your life. He will not take second place. Amen. Amen. He will not. He does not want second place. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. He's not your servant. He's not your slave. He can be your friend. He can be a lot of these things we read about in the Bible. But first and foremost, He must be the Lord of your heart. He must be the Lord of your life. You must make room for a king. That's what we're reading. They're making room for a king. They're not making room for some teacher or philosopher or, pro or prophecy or some kind of uh, uh, anything else you can think of. They're not making room for that. They're making room for a king. Lord of lords and king of kings. Turn to Job chapter 21. Job chapter 21. Now, Jesus won't be second fiddle to nobody. Jesus Christ won't take second fiddle to your wife or your husband. He won't take second fiddle to your mom or your dad. He won't take, take, take second fiddle to the U.S. government. Jesus Christ takes second fiddle to nobody. And that's why I love him. Jesus Christ is a man's man. 
He's a lion. He's already been the lamb. He's already died on the cross. He's already been the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. He's already been that. He's already done that. Now he's resurrected. Now he's a king. He's a, he's a priest. He's of the tribe of Judah. And he's coming back. The third reason why people don't want Jesus Christ in their heart is because they just don't think it benefits them. They don't see any benefit to allow Jesus Christ into their heart. You'll find this in Job chapter 21, look at verse 13. Job chapter 21, look at verse 13. They spend their days in wealth. That's America. People, people, even the poor in America are wealthier than most of the poor people in the rest of the country. Amen. They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. Just like that. God's been trying to wake us up. You think those people in Kentucky aren't thinking about God? There's God's on their heart. Amen. You don't have something like that happen in your life if God don't come into your heart. Had the tornado come through the Hoggett Ranch. When the tornado came through the Hoggett Ranch, the Lord was on our heart a lot. We were talking about the Lord. Could have been bad. Could have been really bad. Could have been really, really bad. But the Lord is good. But He makes you think on it. That's how the Lord works. Because in a moment you go down to the grave. Verse 14, this is what they say. Therefore they say unto God, Hey, depart from us. For we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. Why would they say that? Because they don't need Him. He's inconvenient. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? Verse 15. And what profit should we have if we pray unto Him? That's a lot of people I witness to today. I don't need Jesus. What do I need Jesus for? What profit is it me to Jesus? I got all the money I want in my back pocket. I got all the food in my, gro all the groceries in my refrigerator. I'm full. I'm happy. I I'm entertained. I got more entertainment than I could ever dream of having. What do I need God for? What do I need Jesus for? That's the world. They don't see any benefit to having Jesus Christ. But what the world doesn't understand, Jesus Christ is not for this world right here. As a matter of fact, let me warn you, if you're not a Christian in here and you're not a Christian and you're thinking about becoming a Christian, let me warn you, it's not a, it's not a rosy garden. It's going to be hard on you. Christ told them, pick up thy cross daily and follow me. Listen, being a Christian is not easy. Well, then why are you a Christian? I'm a Christian by faith. But the truth is, the reason why I took Jesus Christ and allowed Him to come into my heart and be the Lord and King over my heart was the simple fact is, there's another life coming. And I knew when I heard a preacher preaching about hell, I knew when a preacher was preaching about my sin, and I knew that was me, I was a sinner, and that I, one day I was going to have to answer for those sins before a holy, mighty God, that I stood no chance. But he gave me some good news. We call it the gospel that Jesus Christ came and died for my sins. And if I was willing to believe in him and put my faith in him and open my heart and allow him to be the Lord of my heart, allow him to come in, that he would save me and keep me and make me a place there in heaven waiting on me. I'm like, that's a pretty good deal. And I walked down the aisle. I was about 17 years old. And I took the preacher by his hand. I said, Brother Packer, I want to be saved. He said, Brother, you can be saved. Let's bow our head. He Bowed my head, I asked Jesus Christ to save me. I've never been the same. It's hard to, be, to live as a Christian. But our, like Paul said, if, you're, if Christ is for this life only, we're men most miserable. If you're living for Jesus Christ just because you think it helps you right now, you're a miserable Christian. 
And maybe you need to start thinking, you know what, I'm, living, I'm making room for Jesus Christ, not for just this life, but for the life to come. For eternal life. Because you know what the Bible just said? You go down into the grave, everybody. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? What profit should we have if we prayed to Him? What does it profit to pray to God? Profits a lot. Amen? Profits a lot. There's people sitting in this church that shouldn't be here, but we prayed for them and they're still here. See, my wife and I, we're just kind of silly. We pray to God about all the silliest things. So last Sunday I talked about cats being in the Chinese food, so let me bring up another cat story. So yesterday we, we drove up, we drive around doing some Christmas shopping, we came back in, we parked our truck, I got back out, went in the house for about 30 minutes, we come back out, we get back into my truck, I turn on the key and I hear this, bump, bump, bump. And I look at my wife like, uh-oh, because I know what that sound is. So I got and opened up the hood, cat fur everywhere. And my cat, my wife didn't even want to look. So I'm like looking in there and looking. I'm like, I'm looking for the cat, looking everywhere for the cat. There's cat fur wrapped around the serpentine belt. I'm like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. This is not good. Because I know my wife loves those cats. And since we don't eat cat at my house, it's not good. It's not good. So we look, can't find that cat. I don't know where it went. I, don't, I mean, I'm, I honestly think that cat's stuck somewhere underneath the engine somewhere dead, and I just can't find that cat. And I got up underneath there. I'm looking everywhere. It was so bad that we just turned the truck off. Let's just leave it. We had to go somewhere else. Let's take the other car. So I'm honking, eh, 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 before I leave. Okay, baby, no cats in this one. We get back. Here comes that cat running up. My wife says, praise God. She said, I prayed that the Lord would take care of that cat. I know it don't mean nothing to you, honey, but the Lord took care of my cat. I'm praising God. She prayed that the Lord take care of that poor cat. And the Lord did. It's a Christmas miracle around my house. <laughs> it is. I don't know. Because I'm looking for all the bald, bald spots on that cat, and I can't find them. I don't know where they're... We pray about silly stuff like that, do you? I do. You know, I'll be at work, and something almost happened. I'll be up there running that big old crane, and there'll be electrical wire there, and then, and then, thank you, Lord Jesus. I almost fried myself right there. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. It profits. It profits to make room for Jesus Christ. It really does. Look at Matthew 27. Matthew chapter 27. It profits to make room for Jesus Christ. It really does. You know, the only place the world has ever made room for Jesus Christ, if you think about it, really meditate on it, and you think, okay, when has the world, because they didn't in the beginning, right, amen, they kicked him out of the end. They didn't want no, they made no room for Jesus in the beginning. The only time you can meditate on this, and I can, this is the only time you can think of that the world made room for Jesus Christ was on a cross. Yeah, we got room for you, Jesus, right up there next to those two thieves, and we're going to kill you and we're going to stick you, and we want you to die. Get up there. And even in the world's most murderous hate for an innocent man, Jesus was an innocent man, the world's most murderous hate for an innocent man, God still found a way to bless him. <laughs> Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. 
All those people were forgiven. That's our God. Now look at Matthew 27. Look at verse, uh, verse 57. Let's do verse 57. So Christ has been crucified. Christ is dead. They get his body. But look at what happens here. Matthew chapter 27, verse 57. When the even was come, this is after the crucifixion when Christ died, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had honed out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. So just in a fleshly sense, Joseph made room for Jesus Christ in his own tomb. This is kind of like the wise men. I hadn't brought up the wise men yet, but the wise men, they made room for Jesus Christ in their pocketbook. They came and they came. They said, this is not only the king, here's a gift for a king. And they gave him gold. They, you know, that's, they made room for Jesus Christ that way. And I'm not trying to teach and get you to give money to this church. I'm just telling you, that's the way you look at it. They put their money where their mouth's at. Here's Joseph putting his money where his mouth is at, where he gives Jesus Christ his tomb he's made. He loves Jesus Christ. But if you know the story of Joseph, Joseph was a secret disciple. Joseph was a counselor, according to Matthew. What's that? He was a religious leader of the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the Jews. He was one of them. That's why he was a secret disciple. He didn't want them to know that he believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and had came to die for the sins of the world. He didn't want them to know he believed that. But here in verse 57, he's not only a counselor, he's a rich man. He just committed political and, uh, uh, political and social suicide. He just went through to, to, the, to the pilot and begged the body of Jesus Christ. They're like, that's him right there, Joseph. He loved Jesus. Now he's finally coming out. So Joseph made room for Jesus in his social life. And that's the one thing that bothers me about some Christians. As you work around them for years and years, and then one day they're like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I never heard you talk about the Bible, never heard you talk about Jesus, never heard you talk about going to church, never heard you talking about anything to do with God, but then one day you're a Christian. I've worked around you for years and years. Guys, we need to make room for Jesus Christ in our social life. We shouldn't be ashamed of him. I know I'm not. I know most of y'all are not, amen? We need to make room for him. Like, we're, like Joseph and Arimathea, Joseph made room for him, even though it was uh, political and social suicide. The Bible never tells us what happened to Joseph of Arimathea, but more than likely, he probably was martyred. They killed everybody else associated with Jesus Christ. I doubt he got away with it. Now look at Revelation 5 in closing. Look at Revelation 5 in closing. We're closing up, guys, Revelation 5. Revelation chapter 5, we'll start there at verse 4. We need to make room for Jesus Christ. Make room for Jesus Christ in our heart. Make room for Jesus Christ in... In our, in our everyday life, in our social life. This is my favorite one. What you're going to see here and read with me, you're going to see all the angels up in glory. All the angels in heaven. The Bible says you can't number them. There's so many of them. You're going to see all the angels in heaven make room for Jesus Christ. This is one of my favorite. Look at this. Revelation 5.4. There's a book that John sees. It's a seven-sealed book. Nobody can open it. Nobody's found to open it. Look at verse 4. I wept much, John says, because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Hey, weep not. 
Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. John's weeping. He said, there's nobody can open this book. Nobody can, there's nobody in heaven or earth. Nobody can find it. Hey, don't be weeping. There's a man right there, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And behold, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain. That's Jesus Christ on the cross, having seven horns and seven eyes. That's full power and full knowledge, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. The seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And look at this. They sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy. To take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. For who? Out of every kindred, black, white, Spanish, brown, yellow, green, polka dot, and tongue, and people, and nation. We're redeemed how? You're redeemed, by the, redeemed unto us to God by the blood. And he has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. All the heavenly hosts, all the... And if you read on in verse 11, there's a hundred million of them described there. A hundred million! In that one area, a hundred million described there in verse 11. Ten thousand times ten thousand. And thousands and thousands. Over a hundred million. John trying to describe it to you. And they all say, make way, make room, make room. Here comes the lamb. Here comes the lion of the tribe of Judah. Here comes the king of kings and lord of lords. And if somebody was to say, why should I make room? Because he's worthy. He's worthy. Verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Amen. We're redeemed to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. You need to make room for Jesus Christ in your heart if you want to have that blood applied. We're at Christmas time. One of my favorite times of the year. But I'm here to tell you this morning, God only decorated one tree. And He decorated it with His only begotten Son. The Son of God, Jesus Christ. And He only put one gift under that tree. And that's the gift of the blood. Of His Son, Jesus Christ, so you and I might have eternal life. Praise God. It's a free gift. If you want it, it's here for you to take. You may make room for Him. Revelation 3.20, Jesus has said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's in there. Revelation 3.20, I'll read it to you. I close my Bible, but I'll read it to you real quick. Revelation 3.20. He says there, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come unto him and will sup with him and he with me. That's a relationship. 
That's not let Jesus in and put him at the back of the house. That's let Jesus in and he's part of the whole family. You've got to make room for him. God made room for him at the cross. Now you've got to make room for him in your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace and mercy, Lord God. And I thank you for your words, Lord God. I just am so zealous for him, Lord God. I can't thank you enough for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray, Lord, if the Holy Spirit moves among us this morning, Lord, that uh, if there's somebody in need to hear the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ, they're not for sure where they're going if they were to die tonight, Lord God. I pray, Father, they'll come on down the aisle, Lord God, and we can open up a Bible, open up your word, and show them what you have to say to them about that eternal life that you offer them to through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray a blessing on these people that come out this morning, Lord. They could be anywhere else, but they love you. And I pray, Father, that you write them in your book of remembrance. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. 
And in verse 13, he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.